2 Samuel chapter 22, mark your place there. We'll look at a couple of verses and then also in chapter 21. I'm preaching tonight on this subject, learning life from an old soldier. The context is quite an emotional context. And I wish we could imagine uh, what we will read tonight and let our mind and let our soul, let our emotion enter into the context as we learn it and as we read it. And then we will learn not just about life, but learn how to live life, learning life from an old soldier. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. I thank you for the Word of God. Lord, there are many inspiring stories of men and women in our world and in our lives today. But these in the word of God you've chosen as in samples for us to learn from. Lord, some we learn and we learn what not to do in life. And yet, Lord, in this passage we learn how to live life. May we not have a rebellious spirit or one of pride that think we know better than the old soldiers that you have given to us as examples. But Lord, may we learn from your word tonight. I pray that you would empower me as I preach. I hunger for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. To me, the greatest of all men in the Old Testament, and though there are many great men, there is none like the man David. David, the shepherd king of Israel. To me, David is like the Apostle Paul of the New Testament in so many ways. In fact, in just a little bit, we'll compare 2 Samuel 22 to 2 Timothy chapter 4 as many of the same things are said in their final word. This is David's last song. David was a songwriter. This is the last psalm that he pens, I believe. And from my understanding and study, and you look at David's life, and David has done it all. His life began as a simple, obedient shepherd for his father. He became an outstanding soldier. He served as the sovereign king of Israel. He was a skilled singer. David was a sinner. But thank God he was a sinner saved by the good grace of God. David is presented to us not just in one location of the Bible, but throughout the Bible, even in the book of Acts, as we learn about the early church and David is presented there. We learn that David is the son of Jesse. We learn that David about David the king. We learn that David is a man after God's own heart. We learn that David was a sweet psalmist of Israel. Here David is nearing the end of his life. The shadows are growing long for David. And time has begun to take its toll on his body and in his life. And there is a story in the previous chapter that in some ways is 
quite sad, and yet in the sadness and sobriety of the story that we'll look at in just a moment, you see yet victory and the way victory is supposed to be. You may have never known this before, but do you know though David killed Goliath, he nearly loses his life because of a giant determines to kill David, and David was saved by a nephew. I want you to look at the story, verse number 15. 2 Samuel 21, 15, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbibonoth, I practiced it, Ishbibonoth. He should have got killed, a name like that. <laughs> Which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. That would have been a story for the front page of the Philistine Chronicle. The son of Goliath kills David. Verse 17, But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him or helped him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, This is a sad statement to me, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle. And here's why, David. We, we don't want you to go out to battle. That thou quench not the light of Israel. David, you may not be able to fight on the battlefield, but you can still lead our nation from the throne. And it's a wonderful thing in victory. And I don't want you to stop there in the sadness and just look at David's life ending but David's life ended as it should. He had young men that stepped up and finished the job. David had some young men that helped David. I mean, this giant, he determines, I'm going to kill David. I'm going to be the one that kills the one that, 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 that took Goliath's life. And the young man helped David. And then not only did he help him, he killed the giant. I want you to see how the chapter ends. Look at verse number 21. And when he defied Israel, this is talking about yet another battle with the Philistines. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Thank God for another generation that stepped up and filled the gap. Thank God for another generation that said, David, you may not be as strong in battle with the sword and with the sling as you once were. Oh, but we still need your heart, David. We need, still need you on the throne. We still need your life as you lead. And the young soldiers, they stepped up. And they did business with the giants. David, I think, in his 
long days after this, began to reflect back on a life that was lived for the Lord. And David writes his final song. A mighty king ruling a great kingdom. His kingdom is now at peace. God had given him victory over every enemy. Let me step aside from the story and we'll come back here, take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We find yet another soldier and yet another example of how life ought to be. When one soldier goes off the scene, thank God he's called another to take his place. And I want to say tonight, those of you that are preparing for ministry at Commonwealth Baptist College, you need to understand that one day you'll step on the battlefield and you'll take the place of an old soldier. And that's the way life is supposed to be. I like what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He's telling young Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry." For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all, uh, unto them, unto all them also that love his appearing. 2 Samuel chapter 22 is David's final psalm. It's his, his final song. In fact, it's recorded in Psalm number 18, and we'll look at a bit of it in just a few minutes. In verse 1, as David remembers the sheep pasture where the Lord has called him from and all that the Lord has done for him, David takes his pen in hand and he begins to write of the praises of God. There's one difference in 2 Samuel 22 and Psalm number 18. Look at it quickly, if you will. Psalm 18 begins with these words. Psalm 18, 1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Other than verse number 1, you'll find it to be nearly identical as you go through all of 2 Samuel 22 and then Psalm number 18. As David writes about his own walk with God, he gives insight into how our walk with God ought to be. I long, hear me well, wake up again, turn off the cell phone, turn off what you have to do after church, hear what I'm about to say. 
I long for a generation of young people to begin a walk with God when they're young and walk with God through their life as David walked with God from just a young boy, not old enough to be in Israel's army, taking care of the sheep for his father. And when Jesse came looking for a king and all the sons of Jesse were called, they were all called but David because he was such a young man. And David was later, as you know, the story was called from the sheep pasture. Ah, but that's where David learned to walk with God. And I want to tell you, you're never too young to learn to walk with God. If you'll learn to walk with God when you're young, if you'll learn to get into the Word of God, understanding all that you can at your age, I promise you it will guide you. I promise you that it will guard you. I promise you that your walk with God will protect you throughout life. As we sit down with the old soldier tonight, we'll divide what he says in Psalm chapter 22 in four categories. First of all, through verse number 20, David sings of, of the God who saves. He sings of the God who saves. And he sings about his relationship with the Lord. Notice, if you will, in verses 2 and 3, that his relationship is a personal one. And he said, the Lord is my rock. May I say there's a difference in saying the Lord is a rock and the Lord is my rock. I said there's a difference in saying the Lord is a rock and saying the Lord is my rock. He is a rock. But I, there's a great big difference in being able to say he's not just a rock of foundation, not just a rock of salvation. David said he's my rock. He says, he is my fortress. He is my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. David didn't just know about God. He knew God in a personal and an intimate relationship. When you pray in the morning, you're not just praying to a God. You're praying to your God. You're praying to the God that saved your soul. You're praying to the God that forgave you of your sin. You're praying to the God that has a perfect will for your life. David knew God in a personal way. I love how David uses those words, my and me. It reminds you of a little child's use of those words, me and mine. Uh, two of the first words that a uh, infant, that a baby learns uh, when they get a hold of something, and uh, whether it's a toy or whether it's a blanket, uh, uh, they'll say, mine, mine, mine. And that's what David is saying about his God. I know he's a God of creation. I know he's the one that spoke the world into existence. I know he's the one that put the sun in the sky. I know he's the one that carved out the place for the lakes and the rivers and the oceans. But he's not just the creator. He's my God. He belongs to me. I am his and he is mine. If you're going to have a relationship with God, we must understand that that relationship must be a personal 
relationship. If it's personal, it becomes powerful. And you read the next few verses through verse number 7. He said, not only is he my God, he is my sanctuary. Now, what that means is God is the place that David ran to in times of trouble. Aren't you glad tonight that we don't have a relationship with just a God, but we have a relationship with our God, and our God is a powerful God. All the way through verse number 20, David sings of the God who saved him and made him his own. David goes into great detail of how God moved in power to defend him. He tells us that God worked in power time and again just to deliver David from those that wanted to destroy him. And he tells us how God affected the very circumstances of life. Sometimes we see our enemy and we gauge them by their strength or by their size. And sometimes we have fear of that individual. But my God controls the circumstances of life. He controls the light and the darkness. He controls the fear. He controls life. And I love what he says in verse number 20 where he states in verse number 20, He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me. Because he delighted in me. He delighted in me. David was a man after God's own heart. You can look at that two ways. You can look at it to say David had a heart like God. A man after God's own heart. After his image, after his likeness. Or you could also read it and understand it to say that he was after God's own heart or he was in pursuit of of the heart of God. He didn't want to do anything that would hurt or grieve the heart of God. He wanted to do everything he could to please the heart of God. And David said, I've had such a personal relationship with God that he did a lot of things for me just because he delighted in me. May I say tonight, I want my heavenly father to delight in me. I wanted my father to be pleased with me. I wanted my mother to be pleased with me as a child, as a teenager. I wanted my dad to say, I'm proud of you. I wanted to hear him say, you did a good job. In fact, the worst punishment I could get from my father is for him to say, I'm disappointed in this behavior. I never wanted to disappoint him. And David said, my personal relationship with God has been personal and powerful and God has guided and directed in my life, I can say because he delighted in me. The old soldier says, let me tell you about a God who saves. Now, if David, if God did this for David, here's why I'm preaching this. God will do it for you. If the Bible be true, and he's no respecter of persons, God will do for you what he did for David, and that's why God put it in the book. He put it in the book, live a life, have a relationship with God to the place that God delights to work in your life. In the next 10 verses in 21 through 30, David sings of a God who sustains. 
Well, we could take a long time here tonight. Sometimes life faces great difficulty. And sometimes those difficulties are not times of great prosperity. They're not times of great success. They're not times of great accomplishment. Sometimes we're just glad to make it through a tough time. If I just survive, I'm glad to survive. If I just make it through, and David said, He is the God that when my strength was gone and my ability was gone, God sustained my life. As you look at these 10 verses, David had known God as his Savior, and now he sings of God as his sustainer. And as I hear the old soldier talk, and he talks about how God delivered him through times of temptation. Now, you may think, as our flesh would naturally think, of the great sin that David committed in his life. But David rejoices in not how he sees himself. David rejoices in how God sees him as a forgiven sinner. You see, it was David that said, Blessed is he to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. It was David that Paul had repeated from the Old Testament when he said, Blessed is he to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. You've heard me say it before, and I repeat it here when God saved me. The first thing he did is he forgave me of all my sin, and he forgot them. The only reminder God typically gets of my sin is when the devil causes me to think of them, trying to remind me of what God has forgotten. But God not only forgives me of my sin, he never imputes another iniquity to my account. Blessed is a man, happy, happy is a man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And then God gives me his righteousness. That's how I get to heaven, not by my own righteousness. And David rejoices in a God that has sustained him through times of temptation. In verse 29, in times of testing. In verse number 30, in times of trials. And I want to say tonight, let's you and I decide that we're going to walk with God to the place that when we come to the end of life's journey, we can say not only did he save my soul, he sustained me through the trials of life. He sustained me through the difficulties of life. And I'm glad tonight that he's that kind of God. I don't know about you, but when I sit down with an old soldier that tells me how he has been delivered through the difficulty of war, I'm encouraged. It makes me want to go to battle. It makes me want to serve God. And when I hear David testify of God's sustaining power, it makes me want to go into battle realizing if God sustained him, God will sustain me. He sings of his Savior. He sings of his sustainer. I'm glad the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God will with the temptation make a way to escape the word. 
The word temptation there is not the temptation of lust. It's the testing or the trying of our faith. God will help you. And there will be difficult times. There are difficult times no matter your age. This evening, you and I are going to face difficulty again. We're going to face challenges. And sometimes we may not win in those challenges. But thank God, he can sustain us to fight in another day. Third of all, in the next 20 verses, 31 through 49, David sings of the God who strengthened him. There's no recollection that I can find of David saying, I hate that I lost strength and had to be brought home from battle. And that uncircumcised Philistine was going to take my life. There was no weeping. There was no whining about that. David David, who has been the great leader, he lets those young men assist him. And no doubt they brought the report and said, O king, that Philistine that attempted to take your life, they're having his funeral tomorrow. Just let you know, king, we took care of him. Thank God. I, I believe the old king, his heart leaped for joy to realize the same God that had strengthened him will strengthen the next generation. I believe tonight the God of the past generation and those heroes that I knew and knew many of them personally and how God strengthened them and now they've passed off the scene. Thank God we've seen those same blessings and we've seen the same power of God. But I want you to know tonight he's an everlasting God and that power will not expire until he comes again. And what God done, has done for the past generation He'll do it for your generation. David sings of the God who strengthens. Look at verse 31, if you will, please. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler, that means strength, to all them that trust in him. For who is a God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. Do you see God's strength in verse number 31? And then do you see him saying so much of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he said, in my weakness his strength is made perfect. That's exactly what David is saying. You say, why did they say similar things? Because they had the same God. And the same God that had strengthened David of old had strengthened the Apostle Paul and is recorded in this book because that same strength is available to us. He said his strength protected me. Verses 35 and 37, he said his strength prepared me. Think about that. David had learned war from the hand of God. Think about it. You see those young days when he wasn't old enough to be in the army, Israel's army. He wasn't old enough to be called to the feast when Samuel came to their house. David was just taking care of the sheep. I believe it was God that let that bear come around to get those sheep. He said, David, I want to show you something. I want to show you how to kill this bear. And David learned that. The lion came. 
I don't know which I'd rather fight, probably neither one of them, unless I had a rifle. But David learned, he, he, he took care of the sheep. He laid his life down for the sheep. By the way, that's why the pattern of Christ is not that of Saul or not that of Solomon, the kingdom builders, but that of David, the servant. For you see, David laid down his life for the sheep. That's why the Lord Jesus sits on the throne of David because he's the one that laid down his life for you and I, the sheep of his pastor. If you don't mind, I'll just get excited a little bit while I preach tonight and realize that it's the same God all the way through. And he said, David, I want to show you something. That old bear, it's stronger than you, and it's stronger than these sheep, but I want to show you how you can protect the sheep. And he taught him, and he learned uh, to uh, be a man of protection and war. And so David, when he saw Goliath, he compared him to God, and he was nothing more than the lion or the bear. For you see, David did not trust in his strength. He trusted in God's. You see, David said to Goliath, you come to me with a spear and the sword. They got this boy right here, a brand new sword. He said, I'm going to use this one right here. This is going to be the one that's going to take old David's life. <laughs> I'm thankful for that young soldier that stepped up and stepped in his place and said, your funeral will be tomorrow, sir. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. David, God had protected him. He had prepared him. He had promoted him. And in these verses, David sings of the God who strengthens. He closes in the last two verses. And he sings of the God who is his security. Look at verse 50. Therefore. The word therefore calls our mind backwards. Calls our mind back. Let me tell you what we're going to read before we read it. He said, God's been my security. As I look back, God's kept me secure. As I sit here today and write my final song, God keeps me secure. But you're also going to read here, the same God that kept me and keeps me secure will keep me secure and my children and posterity throughout all eternity. He's the God of our security. Look at it, verse number 50. Therefore, I will give thanks. Boy, we ought to do that a lot right there. You ought to give God thanks. You'll be amazed what will happen in your heart when you just start thanking God for what he's done for you. Give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. <laughs> right in the middle of the heathen, I just want to praise God. David said, if you don't mind, as the heathen rage, I think I'll just praise God right in the middle of them. David, aren't you afraid? Well, he's been my security through all these years. I will, I will sing praise unto thy name. He is the tower of salvation for his king, that's now, and showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed. You know who that is? That's me and you. And to his seed forevermore. It is a bit sad that the king is told, Sir, we don't want you to come to the battlefield anymore. Your 
years are done, your teaching, your training has been excellent on the battlefield. We want you to sit on the throne. We want the light of Israel to shine. David writes his final psalm, his final song, and it is one of praise to God. In my mind, I can't help but to think, as the old king writes about the goodness of God, the young soldiers continue to take care of business. Where are you in that story tonight? Where are you? You know, I'm glad that God never gives a time to just retire. And I don't want to preach another, well, I do want to preach another sermon. When Moses came to the end of his time of leadership, it wasn't the end of his responsibility. Moses then gave the constitution to the nation of Israel. I call it that. It's the book of Deuteronomy. Can I tell you tonight, don't get discouraged. And, don't, and, and, and those of you that have been serving God a while, don't get bitter and hateful. There's some young soldiers that need you to say, I just want to praise God. He's been mighty good to me. And what God's done for me, God will do for you. Boys, let's carry on in the will of God. Stand with you, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can learn life from an old soldier.